0: This episode contains uh, mentioned content that may be uh, not what some listeners want to hear today. Uh, we are talking about the surgical fields, and that comes with discussions of blood organs, anything that may be related to the surgical side of things. Uh, We do talk about death in this episode. We do talk about uh, fetal demise in this episode. Um, And there is a section where we do talk about uh, suicide um, and just things of that nature. And if that uh, is not something you want to hear today, or you just don't want to listen to that today, that is totally fine. Um, We'll have an episode for you next week, and we have an entire backlog if you would like to enjoy that, Uh, but just wanted to give you a heads up so it's not an unwelcome surprise if that is not what you want to hear today. Um, So if you do feel comfy cozy with listening to stuff about that today, here is the episode. It was February 10th, 2023. Romy had put out a call out post on TikTok saying, hey, stitch this video and tell me about something you're excited about and then I will do edits and learn about said thing. And one of the individuals who had stitched that video was none other than Jennifer. Jennifer is a surgical technologist And told Romy about the wildest shit ever. So Romy privately messaged Jennifer and said, That shit's crazy. Tell me more. And Jennifer said, Absolutely. But we should do it during Surgical Technologist Week. And that is this week. And here is where it all began.
1: Oh hello! Hi, hello.
2: my name is Jen. Hi, Jen. I am a surgical technologist. What is that? Uh, for the better part of five years, I scrubbed hearts and vascular. Ew. And for the most part, I just scrubbed other things, but that was my primary what focus. Other um, but now I work in the world of organ Hell yeah. procurements. What does that mean? Um, so yeah, feel
3: free to ask. I with have me questions. What is there? what is organ fear?
0: Welcome to the Hyperfixation, where our friends come onto our show and tell us about things they're excited about for 30 to 45 minutes or longer, because who cares? The timer is a lie. My name is Roma. I use the they and them pronouns. And today we have a groundbreaking, earth shattering, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We got a wild new brand flavor type of topic today for you all. And that is going to be told to us by the amazing, the wonderful Jennifer. Yay,
2: me. (laughs) Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to be here and to just nerd out
0: about my profession. Heckin' yes. And you use the she, her pronouns? Yes, I do. Perfect. And so, um, I'm very excited for today's episode, um, listeners at home uh when you all may remember the time frame where the hyperfix tiktok popped off out of nowhere out of left field and (laughs) um and so a lot of brand new people brand new listeners were were coming towards the show and i was very excited but one in particular which is our friend jennifer here um did a duet of a call out where i was like hey like Give me a quick info dump of things you're excited about on TikTok. And this was months ago. I want to say like earlier in the beginning of the year. Yeah, I want to say
2: like it feels like May-ish, but
0: that sounds about right. Time is also a construct and hasn't so time is a construct. Um and so uh you and I messaged and I was like, I want you to come on the show and talk to me about this. And you had mentioned that um the perfect time. Would be this week as we speak as of as of release of the show right now is not the perfect week, but as of release, it will be it will. Um, it'll be surgical technicians week technologists technologists. Yes. Thank you. And so I put it on my calendar and I messaged you on the ticky talkies. Well, you, you also t- messaged me, but we, we, we chatted back and forth and we made today happen.
2: Yes. And I'm so excited.
0: Me too. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, but there's a, there's, there's, you know, there's a history to how you got to this point um, today. So let's begin with what, what do you do for a living?
2: So I am a certified surgical technologist. Um, not many people know about us in the OR. We are the ninjas of the OR. We are the guardians mm-hmm. of the sterile field. For people who may watch TV like Inc. Anatomy, we are the bogeys of the world. Um, We also are known as scrub techs. Uh, Some people will call us scrub nurses, and that is not correct. We are not nurses. Um, There are nurses who scrub, but a surgical technologist is a surgical technologist. There's my plug. (laughs) Hey. And... um, we uh, get a sort cert- and there's a national certification that we do. Um, certain states require registration, and that's something that AST, the association of surgical technologists, is working on to get more states requiring registration to make it even safer for patients. And uh, we open the sterile field, we make sure that we have all the instruments and supplies that the surgeon needs for the surgery, and we hand them the instruments during the surgery depending on where someone's working, they may get to assist the surgeon or retract things during surgery. And yeah, we also do the most important part of surgery, which is counting to make sure that nothing gets left in the patients.
0: You know, there's a lot of things that I don't think of. I mean, I've never had like surgery of that nature. So I guess it's never been something that crossed my mind. But that that is quite the thought to have of like, hey... There's some, there's, a, I weigh a little extra than I did before. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: well, and then like when you, you know, you see it on Grey's Anatomy and it was like the very first one I remember is this is before I even thought about working in surgery as a profession. I remember seeing the episode and being like, oh my God, how could they leave something in there? And then I actually get to the profession and I see some of the things that we're working with that are like sometimes literally on a microscopic level. And I'm like okay, can I I can see how it happens. I hope that you know it never happens to me, and it hasn't. So, hey, go me. you get a gold star! Yay, <laughs> gold star! <laughs> to be fair, I've only been practicing for eight years.
0: So eight hey. practice makes perfect. So you get two gold stars. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um, so you've been you've been doing this for eight whole years. <laughs> yes. Um, what led you into this profession prior to these eight years?
2: Roller derby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have always kind of wanted to be in the medical field. I was actually going to go. Initially, I was going to be a doctor. Um, and then I took organic chemistry and said, fuck this. Oh, can we curse? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Perfect. Fuck yeah, we can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then I ended up having to drop out and become a real adult for a while. Worked at a call center job that was just killing my soul and mm-hmm. stumbled into roller derby. And uh, I met someone who uh, was a surgical technologist. We got talking at a party, and that's the end of that
1: and the start of I my know. new career that's nutty. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I kind of feel that like accidental happenstance into your career. Um, I went to, I wanted to be an artist and then people told me that artists don't make money. And, uh, so I went to business school and was going to be, uh, specializing in the opposite extreme. (laughs) I was like, well, I could learn art on my own. I want to be able to afford to do art. And now I'm like, man, if I would have went to art school, it would have (laughs) been fine. It would have been been great. um, It would have been fine. Um, But I went for entrepreneurship so I could help people start small businesses. (laughs) And the the what's the word I'm looking for? The professor that made that major worth it quit. And of course, to me, and I had other seniors in that, uh, major were like, get out, mm-hmm. get out now. And so I was like, well, what do I do? And my guidance counselor was like, you could do economics. And I'm like, I guess, I guess I could do that. And, uh, got into economics, but was still doing marketing. I was doing marketing. My art put me into marketing <laughs> and I said, I hate this. I hate using my art to sell for capitalism and this in this nature and uh, then I found myself in finance. Oh, my. It's weird. So it's all because of, you know, one person said, I like that bachelor's degree of yours. Do you want to do you want to sell securities? Right. I'm like, I guess. In uh, fact,
2: I am two math classes away from like a minor degree in math. Congratulations. I'm never going to get that. No, no. Mm
1: hmm.
2: I only I only took all that math because I was gonna
1: be a doctor. Oh true. And I wanted to like look good on my resume. So Well, if you ever feel like it
2: It's only a couple thousand dollars away. Well, I'm potentially looking at a master's degree. Which we Eventually can talk so. about later because mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah. probably gonna end up coming up on the
0: top train. Ooh. Sounds good to me. Um, Let's see. So I have one last question and then I think we can, we can run loose and run wild. Um, And then I'll ask questions intermittently here and there. Um, But so you've been in this field for eight years. Is there something particularly like exciting and interesting about your job that you love? Like, for example, I, I really like, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I, I like my current job because I can like, I can help people, but it's also a good brain tickle with like problem solving. So I don't know if there's anything of that nature or anything you just find really neat. Like this particular tool I use is just fun. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I heard, I love the fact that I'm doing something different, A if not every day every couple of hours, potentially. And, um, I love the fact that there's always something to learn. Like I worked at a level one trauma transplant center for several years and there's always residents and students and PAs. And like, if you just sit there and listen, you learn so much and it's just absolutely wild.
0: Oh, I bet. And then you got so many different kinds of people in there, different education levels, different departments. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm sure there's, like, I've seen, uh, I found my way into, I I guess I'll call it nurse or maybe hospital side of TikTok, where they do, like, the story times and stuff. I don't know. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's a very interesting department of the algorithm. I don't Um, uh, It's like somebody who most definitely is or has been, uh, some sort of like nurse in the ER mm-hmm. or somewhere along those lines. Um, and they'll kind of retell a funny tiktok sized version of something that may have happened to them or like a, a, submitted story. Um, and there's just some wild things in there that, uh, for example, like, Oh, they put what up their butt or, which is like, you know, a famous one mm-hmm. or, um, This person has this problem. I don't know what to do. And they go ask, like, the the veteran nurse in their their department. And the nurse is like, this is what you do. It's very straightforward. And they're like, really? I never would have thought
1: that. (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: Oh, no. I'm on, like, the nurse, like, activist uh, or, like, news side. And then, like, there's a whole bunch of doctors I follow. That's cool. (laughs) And some med students and residents and stuff. I'm on, the, I'm on the that side of TikTok.
0: The more informative side <laughs> than I'm on.
2: <laughs> Which, I mean, is going to happen because, I mean, that's literally my profession.
0: That's true. Um, oh, my goodness. Actually, I think this might be a good jumping point. Um, okay. If you're ready to begin. Let me get yeah. that, that timer. Let me get the timer out. I really just like looking at it at this point. I, wanna say, I, I don't know if you want to like how detailed you want me to get I, can- um you know I'd actually be interested to hear some of your personal experiences like actively on the job um like is there I guess I want to start with maybe like a, a good light-hearted one I don't know. I, I'm very uh, unfamiliar with your field, so forgive me if my questions aren't like on point. No, you're totally but... fine. There's
2: uh, Here's the thing about the OR is that it's such a weird, like self-insulated environment.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I always when I whenever we have guests in the OR, like from the outs, like from other departments or whatever, or students. I always like chit chat about them. like, Hey, have you ever been in OR before? Like what's your experience? And I'll give them the rundown. And these are, these are my personal three rules of the OR. The first rule is you don't touch anything blue because all the sterile supplies are blue. And then Mm -hmm. the second rule is that if you get yelled at, there's a 98% chance that it wasn't actually anything you did. And that it's just the tension of the moment. Like Mm -hmm. but yelling actually also rarely happens. Um, but then the third one, I always tell them that the OR is like Vegas. What happens here stays here because we have very weird conversations. And it's just a wild ride. <laughs> and I'm just trying to think of like, uh, like the one of the first ones, like fun ones that pops up in my mind. I was, it was in the like two or three in the morning. We had gotten called back for uh, bleeding. This was when I was working on the heart team. Uh-huh. And uh, we just got called back. A patient was just bleeding excessively to where oh, no. we needed to come back and be like, where is this coming from?
1: Uh-huh. And
2: we got everything. We got everything taken care of. The so patient was getting sent back up. And I was getting the starting to get the room cleaned. And in the hospital I worked at at the time, we used these warming blankets called gamar blankets. And basically, you hook them up to this machine and it flows warm fluid through them. And nice. You can also use cool fluid if the need arises. Yeah. Um, but the thing with these is if you have to plant up- them before you unhook them from the machine. And that. It- you know, two or three in the morning, I was already tired because I'd been working all day and then I got called back in the middle of the night and I forgot to clamp them before I unfit the machine. And of oh, course, no. this part, of course, happened. I was completely alone. In so I unclamped or I unhooked the blanket from the machine, water sports everywhere, directly on my pants, making it look like I peed myself. Oh, no. And that's when the surgeon walks back in. <laughs> no. <laughs> Damn it. Right. Luckily, this surgeon was one of my favorite surgeons to work with. And okay. he honestly just looked at me, get kind of like smirked and giggled and like walked out. He <laughs> ah, didn't even
1: get to explain. it. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: That's incredible. Oh, yeah, he's good times. Uh, goodness. Um yeah, I can only imagine like I there's been a, you know, we've all had our share of watching hospital dramas. Um I think I've seen I haven't actually sat and watched Grey's Anatomy, but you know, I've seen I've seen clips. Um I'm sure if my my partner Tony, he's in the living room right now, he's watched so much Grey's Anatomy. So I'm sure he would be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, mm-hmm.
2: bring him in yep. if he asked me questions.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, um, I, but I've seen a good chunk of clips specifically of the good doctor on my TikTok feed. Um, so there's, there's some chunks of that, but I don't, you, I don't know if you've seen it or not. I haven't.
2: I actually haven't even watched
1: Grey's Anatomy since, I don't know,
0: season...
2: I think it was still single digit seasons
1: maybe Uh,
2: because it is so inaccurate that Mm. I cannot watch it. (laughs) I just immediately judge all of the surgical stuff and it's, it's not, it's not great. (laughs) The thing (gasps) is, is they have an actual surgical scrub nurse who is in all of the surgical scenes. The actress who plays Boki in Grey's Anatomy is an actual scrub nurse.
0: Hold on. I pulled up the Grey's Anatomy <laughs> cast, so now I have to figure out which ones... I've never... I, I don't know who is who. She's just a little Asian lady.
2: She honestly... She's not even, like, a character in the show. She just gets called by name sometimes, and now everybody knows her and loves
1: her.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, so, You know... Um actually I have a good segue. It's still in the same department. Mm-hmm. Um so before recording, you brought up a little bit about um what's the movie? That- Doctor Strange. Yes. Um about that intro scene and how uh <laughs> you identified some of the, the, the good and the bad of the scene. Um I don't know how much how well you remembered off the top of your head, but um I'd be interested to hear in terms of like What you what you can remember and of what was good and what wasn't?
2: Yeah, so uh, of what I can remember, um, because we were also having some wine that night, um, (laughs) (laughs) is so the way Doctor Strange gowns up um, is pretty accurate, except for the fact that he has a nurse pull up the mask. Like that would already be done up before he started scrubbing his hands.
0: Oh true. Um
2: but the thing is is that I've unless it's been like a trauma or an actual like emergency, I've never seen a surgeon scrub themselves in. There's all hmm. they always wait for someone there to gown them up, to give them a little towel to dry their hands and to gown them up. Um nice. and then I remember later at some point they're like actively operating and somebody doesn't have their surgical mask up and i'm just like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and then you know how the big climax is he, he's getting the bullet out of this lady's brain so she doesn't have to become an organ donor which we can talk about later because that's my job now okay um but if a if that were to occur the position it was in her brain uh, she would have been positioned on the bed differently because they would have been able to access the bullet more directly. But also, he wouldn't have been doing it under x-ray guidance. If anything, he would have been using stealth navigation to do it.
1: What is that?
2: So, stealth navigation is super cool technology that they can use in the OR where they have these... like. They're basically like landmarkers that they ha- they put these shiny little balls on and then they attach them to the instruments that the surgeon's going to use to put the screws and the plates in. And then they at a certain point before they get started doing the actual spine work, they take a CT scan in the OR and then they upload that into a program that turns it 3D. And so between the programming and the connection with these tiny little reflective balls on the instruments, they're able to navigate and see the patient's anatomy like on a screen so they can see all three planes that they're working in at the same time so they can get optimal placement of the screws.
1: Science. Yeah.
2: But like- I'm blown away. It was initially created from, from my understanding. Again, I'm no expert. I'm just kind of general knowledge on everything. Um, From my understanding, it was created for spine surgeries, but they've actually expanded it now. So like they can use it for cranial surgeries or they are actually starting to use it in um, thoracic surgery. So they can like take biopsies um, through. uh, They can take biopsies of a person's lung mass
1: potentially through their trachea. Instead of having to do a full surgery. Whoa, well,
0: I le- I like to hear how technology's been helping with, you know, in the process of saving or mm-hmm. helping people's lives um, in hospitals. I because a lot of this, I you know, it's either what I've seen on TV or what I assume may happen in in those rooms, but. Um, to hear like what cool stuff yeah, inter- from, from a layman like myself, it's yes. like, that sounds so cool. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, <laughs> the, when I, the first time I ever saw self navigation, I went,
2: I had gone from, so directly out of school, I had gone to a rural hospital. Um, mm-hmm. it was three ORs, 24 beds, um, which is small. And, uh, yeah. I went out there for the wrong reasons. It was an awful experience, but I did. Le- oh, no. I did learn a lot. Um, That's it good. Wasn't the things I thought I was going to learn. But then I went from that immediately to a le- that level one trauma transplant center. And so that is where I got like my exposure to all the cool things. Like I got to see the stealth navigation for the first time ever. I got to see robotics. I got to like there's this um cancer surgery that they do it's it's kind of a last defense treatment situation but basically what they go in is they they go into your abdomen and take out as much tumorous cells as they can get and then they will instill chemotherapy like they'll put some tubing into the patient's abdomen close the patient up and then they will instill chemotherapy through their abdomen for a while. I can't remember how long it's for it's at least a couple of hours. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they'll drain it all out, rinse everything out, kind of do some last dissection of anything they may be able to find and then um, close up. And it's basically just, you know, an effort to get as much out to help. Uh, or from my again, from my understanding, to help mm-hmm. radiation and chemotherapy be a little bit more effective in end stages of cancer, so that people can get to weddings or you know things like that.
0: That's good. Yeah, I mean, like very very stressful and mm-hmm. uh, situation, but very uh, long surgeries. I bet. <laughs> like, a- what's the longest one? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you're
2: totally fine. Um. Those surgeries, I haven't ever actually scrubbed myself. I've gone in to give like breaks to my coworkers, but I haven't ever done one myself. Um, But for me personally, the single longest surgery I've ever scrubbed was
1: about 14 hours. It was a heart transplant. Woo! Woo. Um, But
2: on the other side of that, the shortest surgery or the shortest transplant I ever scribed was
1: just under four hours. Okay.
0: Transplants are, nice. are so wild. Yeah. I was just thinking that of like, you know, it's just kind of nutty. that you know, maybe you could just put a new one in there and it'll stick. Maybe it won't. Who knows? Right. But <laughs> that's just so nutty. I know. Science oh. is so cool. <laughs> Um, what was it? Have you so with being in this profession and my brain, uh, keeps jumping into other medias that I understand? Uh, you're familiar with Amateur Surgeon series of games?
2: Uh, no, I'm not really a gamer,
0: actually. That's totally fine. (laughs) Um, I think it would give you anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I always thought it was fun because it's like that uh, I I don't know if you're familiar with the term low poly type style of art Mm -hmm. where it's it just looks really cartoony. Um, But you're just a guy who's an amateur surgeon and you're in these weird situations where, like, you're in the back of an ambulance and you just got to really quickly give this guy a transplant all by yourself. And you really just take a hammer. You're so (laughs) worried. It was just in a little container in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and you, you, get, you, know, you open him up, you take a hammer, you break his ribs, you move the ribs out of the way. Everything's flying around the place. Nothing's organized. And then you take a little scalpel and you, you just pop the new one in there. And then you just throw the skin back on top and you win. Um. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a
1: messier version of
0: a heart transplant. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Honestly, heart transplants are my second favorite surgery to scrub. Um, and they're yeah. like, once I got over the brain block of, like, oh my God, you're scrubbing a heart transplant surgery. Like, once I got over that brain block, it's actually the process is, is I shouldn't say the process, it's a difficult process, but like the steps involved in the surgery if you look at just the step-by-step it's very easy it's five anastomoses. like you just dissect to get the old heart
1: out and then you sew the new one in with five anastomoses, and then you just make sure there's no bleeding and close up again
2: very generalized
0: yeah
1: <laughs>
2: but it's it's really interesting when I talk about My experience with heart surgery because I I did I scrubbed heart surgery and and vascular primarily for five years, and like so Mm -hmm. it's just a normal thing for me now. And so like talking to Mm -hmm. other people about it, I'm like they probably think I'm insane because I just I talk about it so casually.
0: (laughs) No, I think it's the coolest thing. It's like you immediately get like. Three hundred points on the coolness factor when you're just like, yeah, I've just seen the I've seen the insides of people's all day, no biggie, and the yeah. Okay, so I just put a we just put a new heart in there, no biggie. Wait, how many points do I
2: get added if I tell you that I've held a beating heart in my hands?
0: You get eight hundred points. Yes, over a thousand. Over a nine thousand. Um, <laughs> no, actually. if you might find this cool, you might not, but bear with me. Um, my mom and my dad, when I was, my mom was pregnant with me, uh, 27 years ago, maybe 28 years ago. I don't know. Math is weird. Um, they were the people who like, say if somebody passed away, they went and picked up the body and took it wherever it needed to go. mm -hmm. And so it was her, my dad and their friend. And so, um, one time it was a very tall person. Uh, my mom described him as like somebody who could be a basketball player. She's a very, very tall guy. And so um, they got him loaded up. And of course, this is a story told around me when I was a kid. So <laughs> I probably, you know, just breeze through a lot of details, probably. but uh, they got him loaded in.
2: I, I thought, <laughs> I thought the story <laughs> was going to be about h- having to get like a super tall person in the
0: back of the hearse.
2: <laughs> and I was
0: about to be no. like, oh, my God. Well, that's part of it, because he was too long. And so, or he, I don't know what gender this person was, but we're just go with he for now. Um, so my mom's in the back with the cadaver, and I guess my dad hit the brakes too hard or something. Um, and she ended up having his brain in her hands. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I've touched, um, I've held every organ in the human body. Hey yo, just chilling. Fun fact. <laughs> did you? I don't know if this will get you in trouble, but did you wiggle it a little bit? Um, which one? I, I don't know. It was, it was, I feel like if I was in that position, I'd just be like. <laughs> um, my tendency
2: is to just kind of like squeeze it a little bit, like to get the to get the feel. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> another thing that makes me sound absolutely insane is um a lot of uh, a lot of surgeries I've done have been like lobectomies or like wedge biopsies of lungs. And <laughs> people always look at me really weird when I tell them how it feels. But there's like no other way to describe it. But it feels lungs feel like if you could take pop rafts, and put them in like a balloon or something and just like feel them while they're actively popping. If that makes sense.
0: Why do they do that?
2: Because they Do you know? Because they have all those little gas bubbles where the exchange takes place so your blood can get oxygenated.
1: Mm.
0: That's cool.
2: Yeah. But people always look at me insane when I tell them that. Cause when they're like observing a surgery like that and then the piece comes out and I'll tell them if they're not scrubbed in, I'll tell them to get gloves on and I'll hand it to them and I'll be like, feel this. And then they'll feel it. And they will be like, Oh my God, you were right. And like, you weren't wrong. I know. <laughs> I'm crazy, but I'm not
1: wrong.
0: I love those. It's my favorite like type of character in any media where it's just like, everyone thinks I'm crazy, but I was right. <laughs> the whole time it's so true <laughs> oh especially when you can just like see it oh yeah i i've seen one set of lungs in high school and it was you know the don't smoke oh, mm-hmm. and they showed you the lungs that are healthy and the lungs that aren't healthy mm-hmm. um and they you know inflated it and everyone's like ew <laughs> um but they didn't let us touch it for good reason we're kids um, are gross yeah
2: also, there's probably some, like, formaldehyde or something going on in there.
0: and It did smell bad. It's not. Do you remember that? It's not good for us. No. No. So,
1: uh, oh, my goodness. I found out the hard way. <laughs> oh, no. In high school, when we dissected, like, the fetal pigs
2: in, like, sophomore biology, at the very mm-hmm. last day, we somehow ran out of gloves. But the, the group of people that I was with my fetal pick we were all interested in like medical professions so we were just like oh we're just gonna keep doing our work and so we like manhandled this pig without gloves and then a couple days like a couple uh i can't remember it was the next day or the day after like it felt like my like esophagus was like tightening up and like i ended up going to the doctor and they were like
0: yeah you shouldn't have done that they shouldn't have let you do that (laughs) yeah what so. This is why we need funding in schools. <laughs> this is why we need public school funding. <laughs> uh, I my high school had a uh, a medical program, not not like a. It was more so like uh, so coming out of high school, you could uh, be some sort of. Mm, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Like you, you would have a little extra oomph in going to into the medical field, mm-hmm. but I don't think he would come out with any sort of certifications, but you would see all these students. It would look two or three, three times a week in scrubs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've only been in that building a few times for whatever reason I was, I was an art kid. So I, I, I was in the, I always smelled like acrylic paint, but, um, <laughs> I do remember seeing like, uh, videos on YouTube, Facebook or something. From those kids in the, that program, but most of the time they were doing CPR or some sort of first aid related stuff with like mm-hmm. practice dummies mm-hmm. or like the little practice babies. Yes. But, um, otherwise I don't think I remember them doing anything to like, the, you know, different than the rest of us in terms of biology dissections. Yeah.
2: If it was, like, a school thing, maybe not. I don't know. But I remember when I was in high school, I did this. (laughs) I did this program. I can't remember what it was called, but there was one week every summer we had, like, it was basically, like, a summer camp for nerdy kids who wanted to go into medicine. Nice. And so each day we had a different activity. So one day we got to uh, learn how to suture, like, a pig's butt together or something. Um, Another day we got to... Do, uh, we got to dissect a uh, sheep's eye. Uh, there was one day we got to go and be part of a fire department drill. We got to be the injured people.
0: <laughs> nice.
2: Uh, so,
1: yeah, that's, that's what cool kids are doing in the summer. Exactly. Oh, oh my goodness.
0: Let's see. Oh. I feel like you've got a whole like treasure trove of experience that I'm just like, it's like looking at a, at a buffet and you're like, where do I start? Absolutely. Oh my goodness.
2: <laughs> um,
0: <sighs> I don't know what, give me a specialty. I probably have
1: a story. Mm. Let's see.
0: I know you've worked a lot with hearts, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to think of maybe
1: something Actually, how
0: about this um what was so you've you've been in the o r like ever, and you've seen a lot of different surgeries occur um is there one that was just kind of extraordinary in its own right like does not happen often or an uncommon situation for that patient um like maybe they had a rare condition or uh
2: um i mean there's a lot of i mean working at a trauma transplant center there's a lot of stuff that you get to do that other people don't so like mm-hmm.
1: there's there's these thoracic um they're for thoracic um aortic aneurysms
2: um they're a an hours long procedure like 10 plus hours um And they're just so tedious. (laughs) But then like when you get to the part where you have to be fast, you have to be fast because you have four minutes to restore blood flow back or not four minutes, (laughs) 40 minutes to restore blood flow back to the head. So uh, there's, I mean, there's always those, but like one that strikes me that just frustrated me, I guess is we were, uh, this patient was initially in the OR. They were having a, t- a kidney tumor removed,
1: mm-hmm. and they
2: were super close to the end of the procedure, like to the end of getting the tumor off of the kidney. When a piece of the tumor broke off and floated up the IVC up into the heart, and was just kind of it was so you know how the heart has the four chambers, the two atriums and the two ventricles. It was Aww. this piece was just kind of. Floating in the the right atrium, where the everything comes back to the heart, and so like oh. we had to while they're still like working on the abdominal part, getting that closed so we could work. Um, we're getting this open so we can do an emergency surgery to get this tumor chunk out of their heart. <laughs> but then, what made me so mad is I was on call that day, and when we got done getting the chest closed and everything. Everything came out fine, there was no, no chunks of extra tumor in the heart or anything. When we got done, like the patient was perfectly stable to continue on with the rest of the surgery to finish that up and whatnot. They, instead of having the general team come back to finish the abdominal surgery, they made me stay and do it because now all of a sudden it was a heart patient, even though the chest was closed and they were perfectly stable. I was so mad because like, what if there would have been an actual heart emergency? There wasn't,
1: Bruh. but like, what if? Yeah. So that was, um, <gasps> that was one. Ah, that's just, <laughs> how did that happen? That's crazy. It's I tumor, mean, man. It's pro- <laughs>
0: Tum- tumors, man. You can
2: get tumors in your heart, actually. They're called myxomas. And they, uh, they're they like these jelly things. The first time I ever did one, it came out and I was like, that looks like snot. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, my God, because there's a, we have a surgical technologist journal and surgical technologists have to get um, continuing education in order to keep their certification. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, in some states, fun fact, we have to actually get more continuing
1: education certification. Units than nurses do. Fun fact. Um, I don't know about all states, but
2: that's true in the state of Nebraska. Nurses only have to get um, 20 continuing education credits every two years, and we have to get 30.
0: So, Hmm. yeah. I wonder what the... There's a lot of things where, you know, from my perspective, I'm like, that's... Oh, hike. Goodbye, Craig. Rude. Rude? Right Was we weren't, enough, we weren't rude enough. I don't think the general public knows about our rudeness to Craig. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it a mystery. <laughs> um It's like a fun little surprise for people. It is. <laughs> uh, oh, what was I thinking about? Oh, there's a lot of things that like uh, you know, from the perspective outside looking in where it's like that seems ridiculous and i'm like i'm hoping Mm -hmm. there's a good reason for it but i also know that there's like Mm -hmm. laws in in this country and around the world that are just stupid so
2: well and it's not like our so surgical technologists don't have to register in most states so like okay we just have the national certification there's no like reporting system or anything for us like if anything were to happen yeah and
1: things happened in multiple states that could have been contained to one state if it, if we had a reporting system.
0: Is there like a, like one of those, uh, what's the word? When you sign a petition, petition. Is there a petition to get that corrected? <laughs>
2: Where AST is working on it. Um, but that requires lobbying and lobbying requires money. And AORN has more money. We do so they keep shooting those them, and hospital associations uh keep trying to get our registration um, knocked back because then a they're going to have a harder time finding staff, and they're I mean I would hope that they would pay
0: people more so they also don't want to do that
1: <laughs> you know capitalism hmm. and then healthcare capitalism and healthcare.
0: You know, I, I do want to put it on the record that even though I do work in finance, I am very anti-capitalist. <laughs> so I'm sitting here and I'm like b- bubbling of just like, hospitals need to stop being big businesses.
1: Listen, here's
0: <laughs> ah!
2: <laughs> Disclaimer, this is my own personal opinion. I do not stand for surgical technologists everywhere or anyone in healthcare. This is my personal opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that healthcare really started like the the capitalism brawl um,
1: i'm just gonna call it
2: that um when they started putting MBAs in c-suites instead of
0: mds and rns because what is it the c-suite what does those letters mean what are the you said you said and there's a whole lot of letters i didn't know what they meant Uh, so like uh, (laughs) a master's of business a business guy Uh, as
2: as a ceo instead of like a doctor or a nurse
0: That's fair. Yeah.
2: And so then it became, then all of a sudden the patients became customers and then nurses get really low scores because the patients didn't like the treatments they had to go through that were uncomfortable. And so they give the nurse a bad score and then, Oh, well what could you have done to make this patient stay better? Yeah. This isn't a hotel. We're keeping them alive. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I, I've never expected any of my, even my doctor's visits. I've never expected any of them to be comfortable.
2: Yeah. That's uh, nutty. Well, I'm just saying there's a reason my patients are asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's, c- it's because I am just an awkward person,
1: but then I also don't have to deal with all the bullshit of people. Because <laughs> people are just people.
0: Has actually, now I have to ask, has anybody woken up during surgery while you were working before? Because that would be nutty. Not accidentally. Okay, so it was always on purpose? Yeah.
2: And sometimes you don't even always go, like, completely to sleep. Like, because if we're working on your ankle, there's no reason to intubate you if you're a healthy person. So they'll just give you, like, a nerve block in your leg,
1: and then they'll sedate you nice
2: yeah it's it's been really interesting hearing some of the things that happened one, one time i had a patient tell us all about the dream they were having about
0: unicorns i love those kinds of videos where people are all like loopy post <laughs> like dental surgery those are my favorite and they start saying weird shit <sighs> man god i man if my I I've never been sedate. I've never had like a a major surgery in my adulthood. I had my adenoids removed when I was little, but I I don't remember any of that. Um, Good, your
2: anesthesiologist did their job.
0: <laughs> yay! Um, but I can only imagine that if I ever did have to get that some sort of anesthesia, and Tony had to carry me out of that <laughs> hospital room, I'm going to be saying the weirdest shit.
2: <laughs> it's honestly people. The way people wake up is such a wild variety and old people are deceptively strong when they're under, when they're drugged up. Like uh, one time I was relieving lunch and I had to wait a while because the procedure that I was supposed to go in and give this person lunch to was a combination. It was like an open carotid procedure, but then they were also doing something in the groins Percutaneously for vessels and stuff, and when I went in to offer lunch, they were like, "We're like an hour from being done. Can you wait?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've got other lunches to give. I'll take my lunch. I'll come back." Great.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I come back and they're d- they're done. They're getting ready to wake the patient up, and this patient is ninety something. They weigh maybe a hundred pounds. They're like a tiny old person. And it took four people to hold this person down when they were waking up. (laughs) And before like the anesthesiologist actually had to resedate them so they could get up to the floor to recover. But we had to hold them down because of the nature of the surgeries they had. If they got too excited. Um, They were potentially going to pop open vessels and start bleeding. And so, like, they had to be very still. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But, like, it took four of us to hold this person down. And, like, I was literally laying across this patient's legs and they were still, like, bucking up. It is absolutely wild.
0: You know, I, I don't know if it, that's a fight or flight. You know how you get, like, you can lift up a car in emergencies or something like that? Oh, 100%. That?
2: I'm sure that's what it is. Plus, um, here's a fun fact about anesthesia. The last sense to go and the first
1: sense to come back when
2: you're, like, going to sleep and waking up is your hearing.
1: Mm.
0: Oh, that un- indirectly reminded me of something mm-hmm. that I watched on Netflix, like, a couple of years ago and i can put a pin in that if you have <laughs> if you have a few things you need to finish up before i drag us into a whole different department i honestly don't even remember how that conversation started so let's uh, let's do this so um i'm gonna preface this with uh i've been in a very like hippy dippy uh department of friends for a good chunk of my adult life so even though i myself am not very religious i'm very you know just easy breezy just kind of living life um i'm very fascinated with uh different like perspectives that people have Mm -hmm. and um there was this netflix show that all my friends at the time were like you have to see this because they all did dmt so they were like this is the same shit we see when we're on dmt And i'm like okay um, but it is about what people experience in, uh, when they die. So like it's from all these, they interviewed these people who have died, mm-hmm. like pronounced dead, but were revived in one way or another mm-hmm. and talked about what their experiences were while they were deceased. Interesting. Um, and, uh, it was like one of those, it was a very documentary mm-hmm. type situation. So I can't say what credibility it had i can't even remember what it was called but um there was this one lady who was talking about how she was in surgery actively and she died mm-hmm. she died but she could recall everything she saw from her spirit oh floating uh. in the or and they were like you're fibbing you're fibbing no way <laughs> you watched a lot of gray's anatomy and she's like, no, I remember everything they said. I remember all the tools they used. And she like described them and they were like, yo, like these, these are new tools. Like how she couldn't have known about these. Oh, That's crazy. Um, So it was just really neat. And so when you, when you said um, the hearing is the last thing to go and the first thing to come back, it reminded me of like the lady describing her experience, mm-hmm. um, being a little soul floating up in the room and watching everything happen and all the things they said and stuff. And so. Um, there was so many more experiences in that documentary, but it was also very deep. Like they talked a lot about death from the experiences of the person who died, and the people around them and how it changed their lives and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So it was very heavy in a good way, in a therapeutic way. Yeah. But I wasn't ready to finish the show because it was heavy. <laughs> oh, no, I totally did that. So I, I don't I mean, I guess, is that a, an appropriate question to ask? Is um, one has, has anybody died while you were uh, on the clock? Yes, um, I'm sure it's not an easy thing, so we don't have to de- dig into it if it's not what you want to talk about. But no, you're
2: totally fine. Um, um, I have had a couple of patients pass away. One of them um, was mine directly. Um, the other one, I just heard the call for the code blue, and I went in to go help. I scrubbed it to do chest compressions, Um, and Mm -hmm. it's—I mean, it's never an easy thing. Um, Oh wait, technically, I've had three. Okay, but one of them was um, a C-section for fetal demise, so I don't know if technically counts because they were.
0: Anyway, um, what was I saying? (laughs) Oh, you've had uh, two, maybe technically three on on uh in your yeah experiences. Um
2: yeah and it's just uh I mean it sucks. The my the first one that I had what didn't happen until 2021. Um so like I mean several years into my career but and it was definitely like a shock. Um but luckily I I don't know if I should say luckily luckily for me um the nurse the nurses that were in my room had had uh had experience with it before so they were able to help me through the process and whatnot mm-hmm. um but we do our best to not have that happen um just that way we can you know we can get the family to, you know last goodbyes and whatnot
0: yeah so yeah Ooh, and I've, there's there's a, oh go ahead sorry
2: oh no i was just gonna say one doctor i worked with we had a a patient who was not going to make it, we were able to get them up back up to the floor. So they, their family could say goodbye um, as they were passing. But mm-hmm. we were having, like we had to do CPR because we were doing a tower. It's a, where they, a minimally invasive
1: uh,
2: aortic valve replacement, where they do it all through the vascular system instead of any incisions or anything. It's very cool. It's very cool.
0: It is very cool.
2: Um, <laughs> but did it had failed? And they were placing another device so we could get them back to their family. And so we put, we do this in a hybrid room that has x rays running so they can see where the things are tracking for the vessels. And so we're performing CPR, which is already absolutely exhausting on its own, but we're also wearing like 40 pounds of lead to protect us from the x rays. And so I forgot
0: x rays are bad too. Yeah.
2: And so, Uh, like the next, that evening, um, the surgeon had actually texted all of us, thanking us for being in the room and like for making it happen so that the patient could get their family to say goodbye. Um, and that, and she was basically just like, she's like, it always sucks, but I'm glad that I had such a great team. And like that Mm -hmm. really meant a lot to me, um, And then, like, my very first one, which is the one that may or may not count, um, like I said, was a C-section for fetal demise. And um, the next day, actually, uh, me and the circulating nurse and the surgeon and the anesthesiologist all went and we did a debrief with, uh, like, a hospital counselor. So we were able to, you know, talk through that process. And Mm -hmm. it was pretty cool because, like, the next C-section that I ended up doing at that hospital was with the same doctor. And mm-hmm. it was during the day and we had and it was it was a scheduled C section and everything and like we had a mid student and it went perfectly fine. But like the moment that the doctor pulled the baby out, like we both kind of just like looked at each other and like she did <sighs> all of the checks and like the baby was perfectly fine. The baby was screaming. But like we just kind of looked at each other and like we just kind of had that breath together. And then the student actually noticed and the doctor's like, oh well, this happened and so we're just kind of like, mm-hmm. this that first one past that bad case. So um, Yeah. As much as I hate to say it, all of my NOR deaths have been good experiences. Um, in the in the way that they weren't, you know, super traumatic for everyone
1: in the OR. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and I don't know how to end this. Like it no, sounds like I, I... I'm like taking, not taking into account the traumatic of the death for the family, but like, that's not oh, at all what I'm trying no. to do.
0: Um, but in working in an industry where you constantly have uh life and death, mm-hmm. you know, working in tandem, uh constantly trying to fight for one and fight against the other, or, you know, whatever the case may be, like you, um in saying, you know, you as in like, uh, the medical professionals in any department, like your role, is is so crucial. But also, like your mental health in these processes are crucial. You mm-hmm. know, like because yes, it's an absolutely, like hearts go out to those families, those individuals. Like it's very tragic, but um, you, you know, for for the medical professionals, that's intense. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if it's something you do daily or living that, that can be a lot. So I'm glad to hear that um, you have those resources and you have good uh, coworkers around you to support each other and work through these things together. So you can continue to, you know, fight the good fight and save people as best you can and so on and so forth. Like, whew, oh, I absolutely. And like, couldn't imagine. I just, I
2: want to make it clear that like, Those types of situations in the OR are very, very much the exception. Like, like I said, I scrubbed hearts and vascular for five years and the amount of true emergencies that I can remember happening, I can probably count on one hand, honestly. Mm -hmm. And the heart rooms are such a controlled environment anyway, that when a situation does arise, like it's not even that as, as much of an emergency as it could be. If yeah. that makes sense. It's handled, <laughs> like if it, it's handled well. Yeah. Like, and we're all yeah. kind of in the, envi- in the perfect environment for it to happen. Cause like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: if anything's going to happen, usually it's when we're trying to get the patient uh, off of the bypass pump. And so mm-hmm. like the cannulas are still in their heart and to deliver the blood. So if something does happen, we can just turn the pump back on to support them True. instead of, you know literally risking their life
0: by trying to make them do it themselves so true if you're gonna do it anywhere this is the place to do (laughs) it (laughs) exactly exactly oh my goodness but yeah you 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 have such great like uh it's i this is one of the things i love about one being human in society and two having this podcast is that i get to like learn about other people's experiences and what they get to do and what they're passionate about. So, this has been a, a incredible. Like, uh, I'm just blown away right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well,
2: like, my, even from like the time that I started scrubbing as a student to when I was scrubbing professionally, like myself as a practitioner, my views changed and. They just continue to change even. And now like what I do is so completely different from normal, what I call the normal OR now that like mm-hmm. my perspective on like literally life has completely changed. And I'm much more
1: mm-hmm.
2: open about death and stuff because we have to like, absolutely. That's, that's one thing that's lacking in our society is like talking about death because God, yeah, it's it sucks and it's a painful process for everyone but it happens to everyone and it does it can literally happen at any time and you and there's just not enough people that are prepared no and i see that way too much
1: now and it's just
0: not you know it's if i may if i may relate to you for one moment um i specifically work in retirement finance so i help people with That end stretch, that the last 8,000 days, if you will, of retirement. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest conversations that a lot of people, married couples or single people or families with intergenerational wealth, is that really awkward conversation of what do you want to happen after you die? Mm -hmm. Where do you want your stuff to go? How do you want it to go? Uh, It's usually... A lot of people kind of already have an idea. They're like, yeah, I want my kids to split it evenly or, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I want this to go in this place. But there's a lot of people where we take it a step farther and it's just like, "Okay, do you have your your will set up? Do you have your 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 gravestones, you know are you getting cremated do you have a do not resuscitate like do you have all these different
2: yeah absolutely
0: yeah all that stuff and they're just not a lot of time not ready for that conversation because that's you know recognizing their their end Mm -hmm. and they don't really want to talk about it so we usually like baby gloves like this is something we're gonna have to talk about and then you know a little while Mm -hmm. later it's like did you did you you talk to your family are you ready ready for this yeah (laughs) Absolutely. At some point, because I've had we just had a, a client of ours pass away yesterday and um, we've been, you know, working with her family and trying to make sure that they're set up because as much as, you know, it's, it might just be money to a lot of people. It, you know, it's just a piece of paper mm-hmm. that has value, but um, it it could mean the world to their family members, making sure absolutely, that, like, you know, survivors are taken care of so on and so forth. But yeah, it should be something that people talk about more often because it's it's going to happen. Absolutely, and especially unless you're a
2: vampire. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I've been, <laughs> I've got, I don't have any of my paperwork or anything done up. Me either. I know. And but I've been i been thinking about how I need to like figure out uh, who I'm going to have my as my power attorney and stuff. And I and going through all of my friends because like obviously my father right now is going to be my decision maker because he's alive, but forever. And uh, so I'm trying to figure out like which of my friends I want to ask to, you know, do this massive undertaking for me. And like, I'm having a really hard time because most of my friends are partnered and I'm not. So like they have their partners and then they also have their families. And then I'm like, well, I don't want to put another burden on
1: them. Like,
2: so like, it's just, it's something that people need to talk about that they don't. And it, yeah. again, like I said, in my, I see
0: it every day in my job right now. It's so sad sometimes. It is. Ooh. And then, but then there's the other flip side. If I've had a few people that I've, I've known personally or even uh, clients where they're like, I'm ready. Get it over with.
2: Oh yeah, I've already out of here. I've, I've already decided like if I get diagnosed with like a terminal illness or something, I'm just gonna like live my life until I can't, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to move to Washington State or some other state where um, assisted suicide is legal
0: and then mm-hmm. do that. I apologize, I scared the crap out of my partner by yelling. No, you're fine. <laughs> But I promise I was listening. I do. I definitely agree with. Um, uh, I do think that there should be accessible assisted suicide. Um, I Because I know mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, I, I think I'll put some uh, some content warnings in the beginning just so, in case. Yeah. Um, I'm going to write it down before I get forget. But um, it's some, something that I've talked about with a lot of my friends. So, you know, a lot of us have. Your mental illness. And mm-hmm. um, there's uh, like there's somebody I remember who was like, if you want to remove yourself from this world, that makes you an asshole. Because you take us, you take you from the rest of us. And I'm like, no, that makes you the asshole. You can't, you can't, you can't live your life for other people. No. But
2: also everyone deserves to die with dignity. And that includes. Exactly. To me, that includes when and where and how. Mm hmm.
0: Getting to have that decision that's, that's yours. Like I, I find that to be empowering and, yeah. um, I
1: feel like it makes sense. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And then, um, what do you call it or to make it easy, like, you know, instead of it being a scary decision all on your own, you know, in a not ideal manner, it's like now it's safe and discussed and you can have your family with you, your friends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we should, now that's a petition i want <laughs> Ever, put it everywhere let's do this <laughs> um whew. yeah no definitely um making death a not as scary discussion all around you know mm-hmm. um Even my mom, when it came to, she's got everything set, ready to go. She's, she's got it all. Every time she goes on a plane, she's like, by the way, I've made it into a scavenger hunt. You gotta go to this person, talk to that person. You'll get two halves of the key to get to the rest of the stuff. Um, But that's if the plane crashes. I'm like, mom, no. See,
2: see, here, my dad was the opposite one day. I was visiting in his house and he's like, oh, here, come here. I want to show you something. And then he digs out a box from under his bed and he opens it and he's like, all right, so here's all my, here's my will. Here's like all of it. And I was like. OK.,
1: Yo. what?
2: Why, what did I say to bring this on? <laughs> and, but yeah, and that and, but talking to your family also includes organ donation. Yes. Because a lot of because people don't talk about that. No. And that is can, I mean, if your family doesn't know about it, that can be very dramatic and traumatic
0: to them when you pass away. That was um I have two things in relation to that. One, okay. I remember seeing that on my dad's driver's license for the first time and being like how you still you you still need those? Why would you <laughs> give them away? And he was and that's when he explained to me the purpose and I was like, "Oh." And you know, that was a really wild thought process to go on in like being 6 or 7 years old. I bet. Um but uh later on down the road, it was like that makes a lot more sense because I've you know had friends or friends with partners, husbands, wives, etc., who needed an organ donation. I had a coworker who had it all over the back of her car mm-hmm. of if you have this blood type and you don't need that other kidney, my mm-hmm. husband could use it. And so it it kind of came full circle for me. Twenty years, you're know, not twenty years, you know, fifteen years later of like ah see it is more important than
2: I thought. Yes. <laughs> And it's probably still more important than you think Um, because um, out of every 1,000 reportable deaths to an organ procurement organization, Mm -hmm. only three of them actually make it to the OR to donate. yeah. Yeah. So it's even more important than you think. Yeah, but also you can. There are ways that you can be a living donor because, like you said, you only need one kidney, and I only need one. They can actually uh, take a, just a segment of your liver because it will regrow itself.
1: So you can that sounds cool be a living organ, a living liver donor as well. That is much less rare, from my understanding. Yeah. But
2: my last day of clinicals uh, in surgical technology school before I graduated with my degree. Um, I got, my classmate got the donor, the living donor surgery, and I got the recipient of the kidney surgery. And I'll never forget this. This is one of my favorite stories to tell. So I am scrubbed into the surgery, but I am not doing anything. I am just standing there looking and not touching. And Mm -hmm. in the OR, they have a, a third table. Like the surgical technologist has a table for their instruments and everything and then they have what is called the Mayo stand. That's like what you see on TV that goes over the bed that has all the instruments on it to hand to the surgeon. And then they have a third table that is done up sterile, has some instruments on it to take care of the kidney. When it comes in, they just clean up the vessels a little bit and all that stuff. And then they had it on ice and get in a little kidney basin. And so we're sitting there, the surgeon's finishing up the dissection. And then he looks up at me with his little, his loops. So they're the glasses that have like the magnifiers in them. He looks up at me with his loops and he goes, all right, I'll take the kidney now. And I just like, I'm like, and I look at my preceptor and she, she goes, Hmm. get the kidney. (laughs) So I grab the kidney (laughs) with two hands and I have a death grip on this thing. And so I get over there, I get. Back to the maya stand and I start handing it to the surgeon and he was standing a little bit back from the table, which now I recognize Mm -hmm. was completely on purpose. So I kind of had to reach a little bit.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: so he grabs the kidney basin enough that I can feel it. And then he like pretends that like, oh no, I have lost grip, but I had a death grip on that kidney because I was not going to be the, I was not going to be the student who dropped a kidney.
1: no and, no
2: <laughs> and so he the staff have a good chuckle and then he's sewing it in and he goes all right what would we do if that happened and i was like i don't know and he goes we would rinse it off and put it in i was like oh okay um
0: the five second rule i guess
2: and now that i work at an RPO, <laughs> i can tell you that is exactly what happens because i've done it
0: Hey, you know, if it's still good, it's
2: still good. <laughs> it's still good. Five second
0: rule applies.
2: And then we just wash it off with some betadine and repackage it. It's still sterile. We we rinse oh. off the antibodies. The recipients are on a crap ton of antibiotics and immunosuppressants.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, you know, there's, it's a process, like there's a policy for it. Every single OPO has one. my boss Mm -hmm. talked to me about it. He's like, he wanted to make sure I was okay after it happened. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I thought I genuinely thought I was gonna be more uh upset about it than I was, but I was just like, you know what? At least it happened now. And not yeah. Because I was still within my well within my first year of working at this OPO. And so I was like, well, at least it happened now and not when I was like five years down the road. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I couldn't imagine. Oh, man. It's so cool. My job now is so cool. It's just. It is so cool. Amazing to get, this, like, get the stories from the families like, and to just, when, when they do donor walks, honor walks at hospitals, I am always making sure that I am waiting to get the patient in the OR because I would just be crying the entire time if I had to do that with the family and everything. And that's just, I'm just a super empathetic person. And that's how I choose to protect myself is not having that family interaction.
0: I it's, I can, I can understand. Like if someone's crying, I'm crying. If mm-hmm. someone's throwing up, I'm throwing up. Absolutely. 100%. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Man. You've done so many cool things, so many cool things, so many good things thank you for all you do it's
2: so wild to think because like to me it's just like another day in surgery but then i see all of my friends doing all of their cool things like i have a friend who uh studied for a semester in japan and she did some voice acting for anime over there um she actually has an imdb credit for a short movie that she was in um that's cool i have another friend who works you know she does social services for mentally ill people um helping them get set up with therapists and stuff or treatment i have another friend who's a robotics engineer uh i got a friend who owns two restaurants back in omaha nebraska and he's actually in a couple of months flying to tokyo to do like a pop-up at a pretty famous restaurant there and like i'm just so proud of all of my friends and i'm just like (laughs) one time i was in a group chat, and I was like, I'm just so proud of all you guys. You guys are doing all these amazing things. I'm like, I'm just, like, sitting here working in healthcare, and they're like, you're literally getting people organs so they can live longer. And I'm like, well, when you put it that way... (laughs) (laughs) You're cool,
0: too, damn
3: it!
1: (laughs) Apparently.
0: It's news to me. I... I would probably, well, first, I would freak out, and then two, I would get nauseous. Because, like, I can handle gore, but I think, like, standing there with it would 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 get to me. Oh, give me organs all day. If it comes mm-hmm. out of a natural
1: orifice, mm-hmm. I can't. I can't. Mm-mm. Like, vomit, mm. sputum, anything down below, I... Mm-hmm. One time I had a patient,
2: <laughs> they were having open heart surgery. They had been in the hospital for a week and on like day three or four, they realized that this
1: patient had booped,
2: but instead of Oops. doing something about it, then for some reason they decided to give them, uh, I can't remember if it was like a suppository or if it was an enema. Um, the night before open heart surgery, and so I went in there to relieve my coworker because it was a later surgery. So it got I had to, I was staying on call for a little bit. I go in to relieve my coworker. there, just about done, so we put the dressings on and we take off the drapes. And this patient had had a bowel movement, and not just any—the bowel. This, oh this patient was. Minimum six foot tall. Maybe one or two inches more. And they had fecal matter, like down to mid calf. Like it like and I had to leave the room or I was Mm -hmm. going to vomit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I felt no you're bad. I felt so bad for my coworkers because they're all in there like getting them cleaned up and they're like and I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like I if you don't want to clean Mm -hmm. up, vomit too, like
0: I need to stay out here. We're leaving it to oneness, <laughs> not two. Right. And
2: I felt so bad, but they were like they I mean they just made fun of me, but not the first thing I I'll made take that. Of. I I mean it's not the thing that gave me a nickname
1: in the UR, so fine.
2: <laughs> you know. <laughs> this is actually a really funny story. So I got when I was working at the trauma uh, transplant center, um I got the nickname fibrinogen fibrinogen specifically um but so fibrinogen is a lab value that they can test i honestly don't know what it is i don't need to know it what it is for my job so like whatever but i was still a baby heart scrub like i was off orientation but i was still Mm -hmm. within like the first like six months of scrubbing hearts and we're getting towards the end of the surgery, like getting ready to come off the bypass pump. And so the surgeon is talking with the anesthesiologist. Is that
0: noise too loud
1: in the background?
0: That's fine. Okay. Um, I didn't even notice, actually. Okay, I was like, perfect. what? <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so he, the surgeon's talking to the anesthesiologist and the perfusionist, and I'm getting my stuff ready because we're going to be getting ready to count our stuff. And we're going to be closing at the same time and whatnot. So I'm just organizing my stuff, but I'm still like half listening. That way, if he needs anything, I can get it to him. And all of a sudden, I hear the surgeon say, can we get a fibrinogen? And I just immediately scream out for my circulator. I'm like, hey, can can I get a fibrinogen? And like, there's just like a beat of silence in the OR. And then everybody starts laughing. I'm, mm-hmm. just like, I'm like, what's going on? And then when my coworkers stop laughing enough, they tell me that it's a lab value, not a supply. And then I got called Cypernogen.
1: That's
0: cute. <laughs> I love that so much. It's so funny. <sighs> I, uh, you, you, you accidentally found a thing that I can also relate to you on but it's in food industry. I, I wanted to be a chef when I grew up, mm-hmm. so I worked in a lot of restaurants. Uh, that was, yeah, so it was artist, chef, and then <laughs> business school. Um, but there's uh, the, a lot of restaurants in my area use Roma tomatoes mm-hmm. for their stuff, and I didn't know what a Roma tomato was at that point. I don't know how, I just missed it. And so um, I remember, uh, you're familiar with like the 86 list, like yeah. if you're out of something, 86. So I remember my boss had wrote 86 Romas and I was like, I'm right here. Are you going to fire me? And he's like, no, oh, no, 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 no. We're out of tomatoes. And I was like, I'm not a tomato. And uh, so um, that's where the it actually becomes my thing now where if uh, I guess I have an accent, you know, because I've lived with my voice all my life. I don't hear an accent. But um, I'd be like, hi, my name is Roma. But a lot of people hear Wilma or Rona. And so um, I go, hi, my name is Roma, like the tomato. And instantly they're like, ah, yes. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Nice. I like it. So it's not nearly as cool as Vibrinogen, but relatable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Another coworker who was in the fibrinogen base, um, we ended up creating uh, a code Olive Garden. (laughs) <laughs> because one time we Breadsticks. we had a rep come in and give us an in-service and they brought us lunch or whatever it was within whatever guidelines that are offered not gifting things to people and mm-hmm. medicine and all that good stuff and but they had brought in Olive Garden and I didn't eat it because I had brought my lunch that day and Olive Garden just tears me up anyway um, mm-hmm. I learned that she have crowns. So
0: that's oh, fun. Hey, yo.
2: Um, Yay. But <laughs> one of my other co workers did. And she ended up having to drop everything. She, like she basically got the next step ready. She told the PA what he needed to give the surgeon. And then she bolted because she had to go. Do you know what I mean? After Olive Garden. Ah, yes. Um, so like, <laughs> so then this was, I don't know, three or four months later, I was having issues and like, mm-hmm. it was early enough that I knew that I had a little bit of time because she was giving lunch. So she happened to be giving lunch that day and she was in a different room. So I just look mm-hmm. at my circulator and I told them to call into the room that she was in and have the nurse tell her that I had a code olive garden. And apparently, for a hot second, everyone was super confused until it clicked, and then all of a sudden, it became the, it became the team code. If someone needed to like get out and go to the bathroom, they were like, uh, "I got a code Garden here." Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. <laughs> so, it's so uh, so many good stories happen in the OR.
0: It's so fun. Oh, I love uh, to be a fly on the wall. Oh goodness. <laughs> so wild.
2: And the funny the ah. funny thing
0: is like at the level 1
2: center that I worked at they have their they have their staff in pods. So like there's certain staff members who primarily scrub like general surgeries. There's staff members who primarily scrub vascular There's staff who primarily do ortho. Like there's a pod for each specialty. And sometimes you'll go to other specialties, but um The super interesting thing when I got to the transplant center and I was getting close to the end of my orientation to where I was going to pick my pod. um, The way they worked it is like you would list your top three pods that you wanted to go into. And then they would mm -hmm, see what they needed for staff reasons and then put you somewhere. And everyone was telling me, they're like, Oh, don't do the heart team. Don't do the heart team. You're going to be working all the time. You're going to be on call all the time. And I'm like, well, I'm single and I'm child free. So like now's the perfect time to do it. First of all. But
1: second of all, the more people on the team, the less call you have to take. True. Exactly.
0: You're cooking.
2: Yeah. And there was one point, like there was one point we were fully staffed and we were literally on call one night a week and one weekend a
1: month. And that was it. They were cooking, yeah, but,
2: that's what I'm talking and then people about. Left.
1: And then it
2: happens, and then, um, February of 2020, I actually was on call literally half of the month because we were so short staffed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in the middle, it was 2020, in the middle of that month. Well, that was even pre pandemic 2020,
0: <laughs> the very beginning,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and like the best part is that I had, um, Because I was a traveler at the time And I had gone back to the hospital I had left to travel Because why not work at the same place For twice as much money
1: And True
2: In that super shitty In that contract that I had signed I had a weekend off in February Because I was going to go to the um, It was the stadium series game for the NHL It it was in Colorado Springs
1: it was awesome
2: and mm-hmm. they were like oh they're like can you take any of days of this weekend and i was like no it's in my contract and i'm gonna be on call literally half the rest of this fucking month so no <laughs> the other yeah. traveler can pick up the day because i know she only has one weekend
0: oh my goodness yeah let's snap your fingers in the seat formation mm.
2: I have to say, like Mm. traveling as a as a surgical tech did a lot
0: for like make my confidence
1: and like standing up for myself. Mm -hmm. So that was really nice. nice. Along with the that's good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I don't have now, (laughs) (laughs) but that's okay because I do really cool stuff. Exactly.
0: You do do really cool stuff. (laughs) I'm blown away right now. I could and now just a big nerd. I could talk day <laughs> aren't we all just big fat nerds
1: yeah we are you know <laughs> thank you thank you for your time thank oh you goodness. for having me i was like ah
2: <sighs> but i'm excited so i will make other oh. people excited
0: <laughs> oh for sure this is gonna be hype um,
2: i did the the one thing that's kind of bad about it is that when i moved to where I live now, I had Mm -hmm. to have surgery in a hospital where I didn't know anybody. And I didn't know, I didn't know the staff. I didn't know the surgeons, but luckily Mm -hmm. for my job, I go around to area hospitals and I happened to be at that hospital a couple of weeks before my surgery. So Mm -hmm. I absolutely took the time and talked to some of the staff members and I was like, Hey, what can you tell me about this surgeon? And luckily they had very lovely things to say. And they were actually all trying to get a lot of them were trying to get their own appointments with her. So that made me feel mm. really good. And then I oh, brought yeah. treats day up to better
0: my staff. And you bought and what, what? I brought treats. Say that again.
2: The day of my Cat surgery, treats. I brought treats. That's so wonderful. Because everyone, here's the thing with surgery is that everyone thinks the surgeon, you know, At their post-op visit in the office, they thank the surgeon or the PA, whoever they're visiting, they're like, oh my god, thank you so much. You healed me. But surgery (laughs) is a team sport. Surgeons could not do what they do without anesthesia. They couldn't do it without the circulating nurses. They couldn't do it without the surgical technologists. They couldn't do it without the care techs who, you know, help us turn over rooms. They couldn't do it without EVFs who turn over rooms and People who do patient transport, like, it really is a team sport. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted to show my homies some love.
0: Now I'm wondering if, if I ever do get surgery for whatever reason, if I should order them food or something. <laughs> I mean, they'll always be thankful. If everyone gets a Starbucks gift card. Thank you.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I'm serious. I, they, I guarantee you they would die of happiness. Okay. I also you hear that listeners. I also, <laughs> this is also just me being an expert, but I wrote each one of my staff members a thank you card. Like in, like, in, like I had one for my anesthesiologist, and I had one for my nurse, and I had one for my surgical technologist.
0: That's so wonderful. To my anesthesiologist, thank you for knocking me up. In in other things.
2: <laughs> I was like, I think I said specifically, thank you for giving me the good drugs. <laughs> Say. and it was also really <laughs> awkward when they came and did like all their pre-op interviews because they were like all right do you, they would like the anesthesiologist did a spiel and he was like all right do you have any questions and i was like no he's like really and I was like, you sure and i was like yeah i work in
1: surgery so and he was like oh okay god Ah, <laughs> oh, man that's so fun oh goodness I'm kind of, like, ooh, I, know. I
0: get this, uh, this, like, fun, like, like, info dump high, if you will, of, like, I've learned a thing, and this it just gives me so much joy. Your dopamine high, <laughs> huh? yeah. My dopamine, yeah, man, is that what it's been this whole time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit.
2: <laughs> and that's, I think that's part of why I love my job, too, is because there is such variety, that it it does give me the dopamine of, like, new input all the time and it works out really well with my ADHD so I remember one time I was in um, uh, an emergency abdominal aortic aneurysm Mm -hmm. and there were two attendings and two fellows so like four surgeons like actively operating at one time and there was a couple residents who were in there just retracting things so there's lots of hands and lots of supplies and instruments I was passing and I didn't lose a damn thing. And I was so proud of myself. Good job. So proud of myself. There's also the, the surgery. I had almost 300 suture needles and I didn't lose one. That
1: sounds terrifying. It was a
0: special case. Oh. All right, so if I ever need surgery, I'm going to Nebraska. Got it. Well, I don't live there anymore. Oh, where are you at now? I live in Illinois. Illinois? I'm
2: going to Illinois. And, well, I don't, well, you don't want me in your OR. No? Because I work... Oh, because it's hard. No, because I work at an organ procurement organization now. So I do organ recoveries. So if you're in my OR,
0: uh, it's not looking that's good for you. That's fair. I knew, I knew all that information. Um, but I also threw so much at you. Uh, if, it, if the conditions are correct, then I think it would be cool if you procured my organs. Good
2: to know. Well, and who knows? Maybe someday I will go back to a normal OR. Who knows? I'm just going to say. Maybe. Because, see, I caught my current job. And again, this is going to sound crazy because... This has become like my normal life, but Mm -hmm. I got bored with heart surgery (laughs) because it's such a prescriptive process. Like it does not matter the patient. If you tell me if we were doing a four vessel cabbage, I could tell you the exact steps that we needed to do for that four vessel cabbage. And so after doing it for five years, you know, there's not really much more for me to learn. Like in the position that I'm in in that room, and so mm. I wanted to kind of get out before I started hating my job completely. But yeah. I also wanted to still do something medical adjacent, and so yeah. I kind of did a Facebook post thing, being like, "Hey, I'm looking. I'm looking for a new job. I want to be this like adjacent, but I don't want to spread right now. Like, what suggestions do you have for me?" And a lot of people were like, "Oh, you could go be a rep. You could go do this." And I was like, "Oh, yeah." Um, but then my, one of my friends that I used to throw parts with in Nebraska was like, have you thought about or doing organ procurement organization? Because he actually left the heart team at Nebraska to work at the OPO in Nebraska. And I was like, you know what? I haven't. And so I just, I literally Googled OPOs in the U.S. And there was a list. And I was like, I literally went down the list. And I was like,
1: where do I want to live? And I applied to those places. It's so now cool. I have my crazy, amazing job.
2: You're living your best life. Look at you go. Just sad because I still haven't gotten to send the heart back to
0: Nebraska yet. Is that a song reference or is that just because you were in Nebraska?
2: Just because I, I think feel like it would be really okay. the, the program I worked at in Nebraska is a transplant program too. Mm-hmm. So I just think it would be really fun to get to send a heart back to really? my old peeps. <laughs>
0: It does. It did sound like a uh, like one of those uh, emo mid two thousands kind of jams. so <laughs> the heart back to Nebraska. <laughs> um, so you know, somewhere in the same uh, like Ohio's for lovers kind of like vibe. Oh, absolutely, I can see that. Um, but Ohio isn't real, so no lovers there.
2: I don't know. There's Ohio <laughs> is a little bit real because I'm also so I'm also a knitter. I like to knit. And mm-hmm. they're one of my favorite yarn dyers. Uh, the company is called Dye Mad Yarns. Nice. And they're in Ohio. And it's only like a six hour drive for me. So like whatever day trip mm-hmm. or a weekend trip, really. Um, yeah. But I, I need to go there so bad because they have t-shirts that they sell only at the store. <gasps> and, this, and those t-shirts just say gay and high because the store mm-hmm. is at the
0: intersection of Gay Street and High Street they calculated that shit. Mm-hmm. Calculated. It's just like, and I, I wish I knew that I went to Ohio allegedly once. Allegedly. So,
2: <laughs> well, it's just like, if I, if I ever buy a house, there is one house that I want. And mm-hmm. that is in Omaha, Nebraska. There is an intersection
1: where it is 69th street and coming street. I want to buy one of those houses at that intersection. Man.
0: Um, that's good. That's incredible. I know. Somebody's gonna look at your mail and be like, "No way.
2: <laughs> I no. Would, like I would absolutely die if I got to like tell if I got to like meet somebody at. Work or whatever, it'd be like, Oh, come on over. Mm-hmm. I'm having a party. I'd be like, oh, where do you live? I'll be like, I live at 69th and Cumming.
0: What <laughs> the address is 69 420 Way?
2: only Nebraska that
0: cool. If only Nebraska, on that
1: cool. Uh, if only Nebraska that cool, that's why I had to, leave. know, <sighs> I'm too cool. I fit. had to leave
0: Nebraska, I'm too
1: close for that state.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah,
0: You're what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm stuck here in Florida, so everyone's oh. crazy. This oh. is just my life now. Oh, <laughs> oh, um. <laughs> for you. Thank you. Get me out of here. If you, uh, I have a couch. Do You need hey. uh, a couch crash escape room. <laughs> me, my partner, my three cats, my nine-year-old. <laughs> We're all. On our
2: I have a queen size bed, so I'll share with the pets, and you guys can figure out the rest. Thank you. I'll take care of the fur babies. Mm-hmm. You take care hey, of us. The they're all big cuddlers. They're all big cuddlers. Amazing. Charlie makes biscuits every night when we go to bed. Because I've He's had him make biscuits. I've had him since he was like a teeny tiny baby. Here, let me let me show you a picture.
0: Oh whenever the boys make biscuits, it's like why oh, are you making biscuits for the bakery on Saturday? You gotta work go for time to get the biscuits They're for the so bakery.
2: Cute. I just love it so much. Okay. This is char oh is it oh no, it's not gonna work. Hang on. Oh I saw it for like a half a second. Let me just undo my background.
0: I promise I won't perceive your background.
1: It's I mean it's not much, it's
0: just my kitchen. It's
1: a kitchen. Um the little
2: guy, like he still, Not
1: even. he still had his,
2: uh, his eyes were still blue,
1: but somebody had found him outside, and it was in November, so it's cold. I so my boys, mind.
0: they had they had the blue eyes as well when we got them. They were born on Mother's Day. They were born on the same day as my nine year old. Oh, um, but at the time. Uh, I didn't, I didn't create this nine-year-old, this nine-year-old was created without me. Um, and, uh, I was, I was their godmother. And so, um, but you know, years had passed and then, uh, I ended up falling in love with her dad, but Uh you know, that's not here or there, but, uh, it was really wild to, to put two and two together. I'm like, wait, all three of you were born on mother's day in the same year. (laughs) That makes you triplets. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. So now they're siblings, and it's very cute. That's so cute.
2: I love it. Cooper or Charlie used to have a brother. Um, but Cooper did not like traveling mm. um, to the point where, like, at my first assignment, my first travel assignment, we got there, I had to sequester him in a, like his own room for like mm-hmm. two days. Mm-hmm. And even then, he was still a little bit fighty. Um, mm-hmm. So then I, he's now living with a friend in Omaha. And he has uh, two other cats and a two story house. So, ah, the good life. We had a little chat about, uh, we were like, well, we want to bring him? Do you want him? And I was like, I'm pretty sure Charlie's lonely, but like that would also defeat the entire purpose of re helping him
1: mm-hmm.
2: to stick him in a car
1: for eight more hours. So, yeah. I get pictures. That's fine. Pictures. You good boy. Oh goodness!
0: Ah, oh. I am so happy we got to chat and meet officially today. Me too. I this would. Is I would. I would love to keep talking to you for like more hours, but I also have to wake up at five thirty in the morning. Yes. So, I need to go night night.
3: So if you
2: ever <laughs> want to do this again, like absolute part two to the podcast, or even just for shits and giggles, I am one hundred percent down.
1: Absolutely. I'm pretty sure
0: um, it's was compliant on everything I said. So. Um, do you have any uh, last statements you want to make before we wind down and um, do uh, outros? Um, um, I, no?
2: I mean, just if you are going to have surgery, I know there's a lot of details that they tell you. There's a lot of things that they tell you, you know, not to eat, but after a certain time, take all your jewelry out. There's rules for everything and there's a reason for the rules. So we're doing it all to keep you guys safe. So trust your professionals and just take your jewelry out, please. <laughs> and don't stick things up your butt that aren't meant for that. If they're sex-safe toys, do whatever you want as long as they're meant for the butt. Uh-huh. But don't put things that aren't meant for the butt up the butt. It's
0: real bad. There's a There's this, I don't know how the algorithm said that I think that you would like this, but there's this uh, uh, EMT, I think. Badge502?
2: The guy who shakes his head? I
0: adore that man. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's someone who's like, it won't shatter. It's got a flared base. It's literally designed for this. And he's like, Mm -mm. there's like five different people (laughs) Mm. my favorite one uh
2: so do you follow the french chocolate guy no oh okay so there's this french chocolate guy who does just amazing things he sculpts with chocolate oh i think i might have seen his stuff and so i stumbled across the tiktok for his pastry academy like he has a school in las vegas and so obviously I i followed and one day they were showing, I can't remember what the module was, but they were talking about, it was something of cake decorating, I think, because they were talking about how to make frosting roses. And
0: mm-hmm. the
2: first thing that they do is make a sugar base for this rose. Except that I know exactly where they got the mold
1: from for that sugar base.
2: And then... Maybe two days later, that guy was shaking his head.
0: I <laughs> when I, I, love s-
1: when I saw that portion of the-,
0: of the Pastry Academy video,
2: I shrieked. I was like, oh my god, that is a rose petal. <laughs> uh, I have to find this video. I'm sure I could
1: send it to you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my goodness
0: thank you again for your time of your experience and the laughs this is so good thank you for oh, my goodness. listening to me ramble on
2: and this ah, is the first
0: it's an honor I've,
2: there's been a couple of times when I've been about to be like ah, sorry for rambling, but I might like, know that's the whole point that's the whole I point get to be, I I'm here get for. to be a nerd and I don't care if other people want me to or not
0: I'm putting you on a stage and everyone is like yeah do it <laughs> oh my goodness um speaking of stage um where can people find you on the internet if they want to talk to you more about what you do um
2: well i mean publicly tiktok is about it okay. um my facebook and my instagram are pretty locked down
1: i don't that's valid
2: that i
0: of people i just i don't know it's... Totally valid. Um, but
2: my TikTok username it's Dottie J06. Very
0: exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um also uh in the Discord here mm-hmm. um we have in the hyperfixation season four, you will see uh the surgical technologist week <laughs> thread. So you people will go in there and chat about the episode and uh so if you wanted to Ask questions or whatever. That's a good spot to drop in. Oh,
2: absolutely, in the I
0: would love to answer questions.
2: And not people. Mm-hmm. Not many people know about my profession, so I'm happy to shout
0: it out.
1: Yeah, I will.
0: have...
1: Oh. <laughs> so I that's will okay. forget. If, if, I will
0: forget about the Discord. Oh. Um. So I'll I'll give you a little at a little shout. Okay. It'll be like, yeah, heard. Um, Perfect. Cool vibes, and then um. I don't, you know, I know a lot of the times there's like, some, not a lot of the times, but sometimes there may be like some sort of special event or charity or something going on on with weeks like Surgical Technologist Week. Um, is there anything that you wanted to shout out on that front or off the top of your dome? Oh. And if, if, if not now, we can throw it in when the episode's announced. Uh,
2: no, I mean, there's not really usually anything public for Surgical Tech Week because the public doesn't really know, but, um, if, you know, if you are a nurse who works in the UR or if you know someone who is a surgical technologist, um, you know, just give them some treats or thank them for what they do because Lord knows the hospitals aren't going to do anything. There was, mm-hmm. uh, two years. I was a traveler. I ended up being at the same hospital for search tech week, two years in a row and the hospital didn't do anything. And I ended up, I made little mugs with like, some lotion Aww. and like mints and, and stuff for like to keep That's in our sweet. lockers for my coworkers so that we would get something because nurses get all the recognition again. <laughs> they get so many weeks and
1: we get one. <laughs> Celebrate my week. I snack. do so much.
0: <laughs> <sighs> oh my goodness. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Um, so fun. I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah. Uh, you can find me, the host of this episode, Romy Baloney at I appreciate your butt at the twitter.com. That is I A P P R E C I the number eight B R U T T. And you can find me there at Twitter or X, whatever they call it now, Tumblr, TikTok, um, you name it, but you know, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the Moonshot Network. Uh, you can find the Moonshot Network at twitter.com forward slash moonshot pods. You can see what we're doing live at moonshot.mov or moonshot.mov. Um, or check out our website. You can go to moonshotpods.com and see all the things that we're doing. Um, and you can support the network directly at patreon.com forward slash moonshot network. Or if you want to support this podcast directly, if you know what I mean, uh, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash the Hyperfixation, where for as little as $1 a month, you too can get episodes early. And you know what? You know who gets those episodes early? Our current patrons. Um, our current patrons for this episode, as of this time, in place, in society, in the universe, is first up, below, And then we got hey, it's Ken, Becky, Scott, Fairley, and Ver. Those four patrons carry this podcast on their back. Those four patrons love us so much. And you know what? You can help them out. You can help them carry this gigantic podcast with our long longest episodes. You can help us keep this podcast going by going to our Patreon. I would love you forever. And I will announce your name at the end of every episode. Please and thank you. Also, we might be dropping merch. So if you want some merch, um, check out the Red Redbubble. Um, let me get that for you actually. Yeah, if you go to Redbubble and search the Hyperfix pod, you will find our store where you can get our stuff on things. Isn't that crazy? Our stuff on stuff. That's crazy. Um, But yeah, check out the Hyperfix pod on Redbubble or Patreon, and you can find yourself some interesting ways to support the podcast. And uh, I also want to thank Offuskate, that is O-F-U-S-K-A-T-E, for intro and outro music. So if you're looking for some podcast intro and outro music, check out their work. They're on SoundCloud, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, And thank you to our editor. Thank you to kingdom. You can find kingdom at twitter.com forward slash tachyon kingdom kingdom slaved over this episode and many of our episodes. So please give kingdom a big thank you. Um, Let's get back to that episode outro that I didn't record in advance or in the, in the future. Do you, let's see. There's you've had so much words of wisdom. But usually, at the end, I'll be like, "Be safe, drink your water, don't die, take your vitamins and but doop, so I don't know if you have any like wacky like well, oh you, you sit I do take your jewelry out before surgery. there's <laughs> okay, another one <laughs> clean, I'm ready. your damn belly buttons There's so many people right now that are like, Oh, <laughs> like
1: checking their belly buttons right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: clean your damn belly buttons that's all i gotta say <laughs> <laughs> the orifice you just, forgot just, about just clean it out <laughs> take a cute tip and maybe some alcohol swirl one end dry it out with the other call it a day you the know that's seen. going
0: in <laughs> there, you know the re- the past few years there's been that big like wash your ass that's, I feel like that's mm-hmm. going in the same department of wash your ass, clean yes. your belly button. <laughs> wash your ass and wash your
2: belly button.
0: <laughs> Get the front hole and the back hole. You're set. Uh, uh, uh. Shit. That's a good spot to end this. <laughs> that's a great spot to end this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you
2: miss
0: getting kicked in the face at Warped Tour? Did you shatter your glasses in a mosh pit in 2007? Did you wear more studded belts than a Final Fantasy character? Then we have the show for you. We are So Emo I Fell Apart, a podcast about third wave emo, late night live journal updates, burnt hair, and everything in between. Join us every second Saturday as we examine major moments in the history of emo and keep you updated on current events. Because it was never a phase.